0: Maybe the Lord does have a word for us this morning. It's perhaps not a profound word. Some things that we, if we're walking with the Lord for any period of time, we're aware of these things. But we're aware of a lot of things that we don't do. A lot of things we should do differently. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul writes these words. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And again, we're familiar with this passage. But Paul says, don't you realize that in a race... Everyone runs. Amen. Are you in the Lord's race this morning? Second question, are you running? (laughs) In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified." Well, we're only two weeks into the new year, so I hope I'm safe to assume that there's probably two or three resolutions that are still going strong. You haven't ruined everything yet. Maybe you're eating healthy or you're getting some exercise, watching less TV, or maybe you just decided to get along better with your spouse, whatever your goal may be. But well, my question to us this morning is a very simple one, but it's profound if we really think about it and apply it. My question is this How do you plan to grow more spiritually healthy in 2019? How do you plan to be at a different place? At the end of this year, than you are right now. We may not notice the lack of spiritual growth in our lives, but I think we'd be surprised how quickly a year can go by, or two years, or three years. And as the people of God, we've never memorized a new scripture, we haven't confronted a sin that just seems to be habitual. Or maybe a couple years have gone by and we haven't talked to anybody in a significant way about Jesus Christ, or we haven't been stretched in our faith, we haven't ministered in one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so my question to us this morning is, when was the last time God did something in your life that actually caused you to live differently? When was the last time God has done something in your life that took you out of your comfort zone and actually made you feel like? a child of His, in whom the Holy Spirit lives. You see, I already believe that spiritual complacency, it's never our intention. But so oftentimes, it creeps into our lives unnoticed because we're not intentional in growing the most important part of who we are. In fact, a lot of Christians doubt that they even can grow spiritually. They just think, this is the way I am, the way God made me, I'm always going to be this way. They doubt that they can grow spiritually. But the reality is that's only true if you fail to put the effort into it. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but if instead of hearing the new thing the Lord is doing, Isaiah 43, if we don't take time at the beginning of the year and say, Lord, what are you doing? Because your word says, look, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it? Do you understand it? if I don't take time to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what is the new thing in this season that you are doing in and around me, then what I'm going to do, as so many of us do, just like those who don't know Christ do, is we give ourselves to novel things. Because you see, we're created for newness. We're created for life and adventure. We're created for the things that God's placed within us, the passions he's given to us. But if we don't take time to hear what the Lord is doing, We will settle for novel things. Novel things are those things that they just kind of give you a burst of enthusiasm. They give you a reason to get up in the morning for maybe a few weeks. Every morning, 5 o'clock, I'm going to hit the gym. That's my resolution. But what do the resolutions do? They just kind of give us a reason to get up. But they're novel things. They're things oftentimes that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, But if we only give ourselves to the novel things, I promise you, we will always be distracted from the new thing that God wants to do. The thing that will last, the thing that will add to our life. We know the scripture well. Paul wrote to Timothy, while physical training, bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Paul is saying that physical exercise is not bad. It has some benefit. But he says, I want you to understand, and and, and keep in mind that Paul lived in the day of of, of Athens, of Rome, of of the Olympics. He understood all that that happened in that context and and how important that was and and how it was celebrated in this culture. And Paul says, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, physical exercise. It has some value. But spiritual exercise, spiritual growth, has value in every area of your life, including the physical, but in every area of your life, both in this life and in your relationships and for the life to come. It's not that Paul is saying physical exercise versus spiritual exercise. It's simply a question of this. Do you give at least as much attention to your spiritual exercise? your spiritual growth. Do you give equal time, equal value to developing your spiritual being as the, as the concern you might have for your physical being? We are very, very concerned with our physical appearance. If you don't believe me, look, uh, just look around you. Nobody woke up this way. Okay? Some took more time than others. Like the old saying goes, if the barn needs painting, paint it. I have nothing against that. But we took time with the physical, right? And we we feel we're presentable. That's why we're sitting here. But if it were possible to have an x-ray machine here, a spiritual x-ray machine, what would we look like if we stepped in front of the machine and the image was shown behind me? How many of us would say, hey, I'm ready? Sure, check it out. See, That's all Paul is saying. This stuff is not bad. But the attention we give to that, do we give at least equal attention to that part of us that is actually more valuable, not only in eternity, but in this life as well. He says it holds promise for both this present life and also in the life to come. Paul said to the believers in Ephesus in chapter 4 that our growth goal is simply this to experience the fullness of what it means to know Jesus. I paraphrased that, but that's essentially what he's saying. To experience the fullness of what it really means to know Jesus. Will you say that with me? To experience the fullness of what it means to know Jesus. That is our goal if we are a follower of Jesus Christ. What does it really mean to know Jesus? I remember years and years ago, a pastor shared how uh, when he was young, there was something going on at the, at the school. I think it was a high school dancer or something, and, uh, and he had youth group on the same night. And, the, and the, he said to his mom, he said, Mom, I'm, I'm, I've been faithful to youth group. My friends are going to the dance, and I'd love to go with them. And all she said, and she wasn't being, you know, manipulated or anything. She was a very sincere follower of Christ. And she just said, Honey, what does it mean to you to follow Jesus? You see, it's not about what you can do and can't do. It's a simple question. What does it mean to you to follow Jesus? What does being a Christian mean to you? It's not about stuff you can't do. You see, if you understand that being a Christian is you get to get in on Jesus. You get to get in the fullness of knowing what it is to know God. And to walk with God, which is the reason why so many people who don't know God fill their lives with so many things that are not of God and are still empty. Why? Because the search is to fill that God-shaped vacuum that nothing can fulfill except God. And we are the ones who get to know God. So what does it mean to you to know Jesus? It's never about rules. Can you imagine saying to your wife, well, I guess I've got a wedding band on. Well, I guess I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't. No, it's all the stuff you get to do. You get to be. I get too many amens on that one. (laughs) It's all the stuff that you get to move into, the ways you get to grow as you become one with another person. Now, if you're going to have success in improving your physical health, then, of course, we know it requires some discipline, eating healthy, all that good stuff, exercise. But if you're too extreme, that can be a problem, Right? If you get too extreme in your physical health, well, it can become an obsession, number one, that affects your life, throws your life off balance and people around you. Uh, But number two, it's not really sustainable. I remember growing up, I had a friend, and he used to suffer through his mother's diets. Two or three times a year, he said, she would get a garbage bag out of the closet and go to the cupboards and just throw away. All the junk food, all the sweets, anything good, anything that was according to the the trend of that diet in that season, it all went into the garbage. And the problem was, though he supported his mother's desires, is that the whole house had to change because mom was going on a diet. So if mom wasn't going to eat anything fun, we weren't going to eat anything fun. Well, the problem with that, of course, was it extreme. The family suffered for it. And in the long run, it wasn't sustainable. I believe spiritual growth is very similar. We don't need to be extreme. It doesn't mean that you have to throw your TV out, you have to throw your gaming system out, you have to, whatever it may be, if the Lord's telling you to do that, you do that, but that's not what it's about. Spiritual growth is simply about investing equal time in the development of your walk with Christ, of your spiritual man. Because if you will do that, if you'll just start putting in equal time, what you discover is the Lord will speak to you. And he will tell you, He will give you discernment. He'll give you wisdom. He'll point to things. You don't have to worry about looking to somebody else and say, oh, they don't don't do this, so I guess I should, or they do this, so I guess I should. No, it'll just be a matter, as you're walking with the Lord, he'll speak to your heart and say, okay, now it's time to do this, or now it's time to drop that, or for you, this isn't right for you in this season. For somebody else, don't worry about them. You just follow me. So give time, equal time to the growing of your spirit, and you'll discover the Lord will take care of those things. Our goal is sustained spiritual growth. Or as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, he says, we are being transfigured. That's where we get our English word metamorphosis. We are being transfigured into the very image of Jesus as we move from one bright level of glory to another. So what Paul is saying is there are seasons in our life for sure where we'll have special encounters with the Lord, intimate encounters with the Lord, just like we do in any relationship. But apart from that, we need to understand the Lord wants to grow us from one level to the next level. It's not mystical. It's just measurable. He says we grow from one brighter level of glory to the next. And glory, of course, has to do with this idea of weight. The glory that the Lord brings into our life is he brings substance. He brings strength. He brings a sense of stability. And so we're walking with the Lord, and his glory is increasing in us there comes this increased confidence, this increased knowledge of him that we live from. It's not something we have to engineer. It's something we enjoy as a natural byproduct of simply spending time with the Lord and then following him as he leads us in every area of our life. I think just as with physical growth, we have to find the rhythm that sustains spiritual growth and sustains the flow of ministry in our lives. And that requires discipline. It requires watching some of those things that we're taking into our lives or, or whatever it is the Lord might, might prompt us to do or not to do. But it also requires exercising our faith. And I believe exercising our faith has to do with discerning what the Lord is doing in my life right now and what he's asking of me in this season. And then I begin to move in that. I begin to exercise myself in that, and I grow in the Lord. The reason we need a strategy for spiritual growth is because a strategy answers the question, What next? If I were to ask you, what is the Lord saying to you is your next step? What would you say? It may not be something we give a lot of thought to, but the Lord has the next step for you. He sees where you are. He knows where he wants to bring you in me. And he says, here's your next step. Here's the next thing I want to teach you, the next way I want to stretch you, the next area of your life or relationship I want to deal with, the next area I want to bring freedom in. Whatever it may be, the Lord has a next step. And knowing what your next step is, of course, tells you what to do to attain your goal or to reach what it is that the Lord has placed as a desire in your heart. And that is something, my friends, that's attainable for all of us, every single one of us. But we have to have a strategy. We have to have a plan. Uh, Since last fall, we've had a number of people who have implemented some of the teachings that we brought in our Hearing God series, a number of people who are practicing journaling, who've never journaled before, wonderful reports, a number of people who are taking time to quiet their hearts and practice listening prayer, hearing the voice of the Lord, or, 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 or times of examining their own heart. As we shared in one message talking about how we need to be more conscious of our life. And so we do that by examining our lives. A number of people also enrolled in the online school of ministry with Jason Chin. And there are so many testimonies from both of those camps. But, but here was, here's what many people have found. It doesn't sound very spiritual, but as the old saying goes, if you work the plan, the plan works. It does. It really does. If you work the plan, the plan works. Because a plan answers the question, what's next? And knowing what is next, Paul says, allows you to run with purpose in every step. And it's that sense of fulfilled purpose that begins to give you the motivation to actually run to win. To actually begin to believe, to lay hold of what the Lord is speaking to your heart. So as the Holy Spirit drops something into your heart or or speaks hope, or or life, or truth, or direction, it's no longer, well, that's for somebody else, but it's, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you for that hope. That's what Paul says in Romans, right? The God of hope, may he fill you with all joy and peace. How, zapping from the sky? No, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That's the kind of people he wants us to be. That when he speaks to our heart, it's not just a command, but it's a word that we know is full of love and promise and hope. And we say, Thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to me about this. Thank you, Lord, that you've put a, 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 an option in my heart from what I might see presently in my circumstance or in my marriage or my finance, my life, whatever it may be. Thank you for your word because your word is full of living power, and your word means that there's something you're going to begin in me and you're going to do in me. And we don't just dismiss it as, well, that could never happen in me. He says, we are running a race. In a race, everyone runs, Paul says. Now, this is very important. We won't spend a lot of time. But Paul is not saying that we're running a race against each other. No. He said, we're running our own race with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. So my eyes are on him. With the point Paul is making is that if you're a child of God, you're in a race. And if you're in a race, you better be running. But he recognized that we all run at a different pace, right? We don't all run as fast as each other. We don't all have the same, you know, twitch fast twitch muscles, whatever you need for running. We're all different. But he said the important thing is not racing against each other. It's making sure that you're running your race so that you finish it. Because there's a purpose to your race, and the Lord has something for you if you finish your race. If you finish your race. And I don't believe necessarily Paul is talking here about salvation. When I was reading in Daniel just the other day, a scripture popped out of my mind that kind of went along with this. The Lord said this to Daniel. He said, Daniel, at the end of the days, the last days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. Isn't that beautiful? That's so precious that the Lord says, I have an inheritance for you. I have a reward for you. I have a place for you for which I've saved you. That's what Paul says. I want to attain to. I want to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. I'm running my race. And at the end of the day, I can say I have run my race. I've stayed the course. I've kept the faith. And now there's laid up for me an inheritance. But not only for me. Because I'm not running against you. And my winning my race doesn't disqualify you from winning your race. But not only for me, but for all of those who are running the race, all of those who love is appearing. There is an inheritance for you. And the Lord says, I want you to lay hold of that and understand that you're not just living a Christian lifestyle. There's things I'm developing in you that I'm growing in you. There's a fullness that I'm growing in you. There's, in this present life, rewards, benefits for walking in my truth, walking in the power of my Holy Spirit. But there's also an abundant entrance waiting for you after this life. You get to get in all this stuff. It's not just a, a Christian lifestyle that you're adopting. It's not just a matter of not smoking, swinking, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever swinking is. You just don't swink. It's not a matter of just not doing bad stuff. It's all the good stuff we get into. It's the opportunity we have to show people around us that we have no hope, that God is real, and that serving Christ is fun, and that we're alive. Okay, got to move on. Let me give you a couple of examples. I, I love it when you watch people running. You you're driving down the street, right? And you see people out there jogging. I used to think sometimes, you know, you're going by somebody, it's like, why are they even running? They're kind of like this. And I think, like, why are they even running? Until I started running. Then when I'm driving down the street and I see somebody like this, I go, oh, God bless you. You're my hero. At least you're out there. Right? You see, when you're not in the race, oh, oh, I could go off on this. When you're not in the race, it's always look around you at other people and think, oh, they're not that spiritual, or they're this, or that, or the case of the no, no, you don't understand. That just means you're not in the race. Because when you're in the race, you understand how grueling it can be sometimes. When you're in the race, you understand sometimes there's battles you're going through, there's things the Lord's growing in you. It's not always easy, but at least you're in the race. That's why I say in a Sunday morning, if you fall asleep during one of my sermons, God bless you just for being here don't feel paranoid. Don't, don't worry about it, okay? I don't know. You may have worked a midnight shift. You could have just got off work, working through the night. It doesn't even cross my mind. Now, if you roll your eyes at me when I'm preaching, that's different. But, you know, if, if, you, if you doze off, it's okay because we're, we're, we're in the race together. But I'm not racing against you. I'm not racing against you. But you see, if I'm in a race, what I'm going to do is I'm always going to encourage you. Because I'm going to say, you know what? At least you're in the race, at least you're doing something. At least you're trying to grow. Even if we messed up, we mess up together. We understand each other. That's the epitome of hypocrisy, by the way. To me, hypocrisy is not me saying something, doing something else. No, that's human nature. We, we all do that. Because like Paul said, I do the same thing, right? Paul said in Romans 7, I want to do, I don't do, I, want to, I don't want to do, I do, whatever. Good luck translating that. But, but Paul is saying, to me, hypocrisy is when I have struggles sometimes, and I see somebody else going through a struggle, but rather than relating to them and saying, hey, you know what, I've messed up like that too. Or I know exactly what you feel like, because I don't have it all together too. Instead, I pretend I got it all together and I can't relate. That's hypocrisy. Because that keeps my brother or sister discouraged. Whenever, when, uh, otherwise, I have a chance to come along and say, I know you feel down, man, I have been there. I know how you feel. I know how you feel but you know what, this is what the Lord showed me, or this is what the Lord did in me, or you know what, can I just walk with you a little bit while you're going through this, because I know how you feel. That's what the Lord is calling us to as we run this race together, because my passion ought to be, if I'm doing great in my race, I want to make sure you finish your race. I want to make sure you keep your eyes on Jesus, that you don't get distracted by the enemy, because I know we're all fighting the same enemy. We're all running a different race, but we're fighting the same enemy. And we need to come together and help each other, encourage one another in the Lord. Okay, two quick goals. We know these already, uh, are already. are but if we will do them, it will change your life if you don't do them already. Number one, read your Bible this year for the sheer enjoyment of just reading your Bible. That might sound like a strange thing to say, especially when there's some people that don't even read their Bible at all. But I really want to encourage you this morning. This is going to sound sacrilegious. But I want to encourage you to consider laying aside the goal of reading your Bible through in one year. You say, Pastor, how could you say that? Because I want you to learn to simply enjoy your time with Jesus in his word. That's the goal. It's not just to get through the Bible. We all know the Bible contains 23 billion words. And it's impossible to read in one lifetime, right? Right? Now, some of you don't read your Bible thinking, yeah, that sounds right, 23 billion, yeah. No, there's not 23 billion words in the Bible. There's about 775,000 words in the average Bible. About the same length as 10 normal novels. That's it. So what that means is, if you read your Bible at a normal pace, one hour a day, it will take you about two months to read from Genesis to Revelation. One hour a day, two months. If you read your Bible a half hour a day, it will take you four months, well, four and a half months. If you read 15 minutes a day, which is no biggie, 15 minutes a day, it'll take about eight or nine months to get through the entire Bible. If you listen to it on audio, it takes about 20% longer because the audio speaks slower than than we normally read. But the point is this. If your goal is just to get through your Bible once a year, you can do that. And a Bible reading plan is good if that's what you want to do. There's a couple disadvantages to the reading through your Bible in a year plan. And I'm not not saying don't do it, but there's a couple disadvantages. One is, quite often, though they do the best they can, it makes your reading disjointed. You ever find that? Because they try to tie themes in so it's somewhat similar, your New Testament, Old Testament, Psalm, whatever, but you can't make that happen all the time, so it's kind of disjointed. You lose the flow of just reading through an epistle, reading through the gospel, reading through an Old Testament book, the case, you, you miss that flow. And the other thing is this, and I've done this many, many times over the years. If you miss a day <laughs> or two days, because in your mind you're locked in, I'm reading three chapters a day to get through the Bible in a year. Now, that's good, not bad. I'm reading three chapters. But if I miss a day or two, now I've got to read ten chapters. Anybody been there? or more. And what happens? You get discouraged, right? Or you feel like, oh, I can't catch up because now it's whatever. So there's a couple of disadvantages there. But if you will just open your Bible, take out a notebook and a pen, quiet your heart, and just say, Holy Spirit, I'm just here to meet with you. I'm just here to meet with you. Then you'll begin to learn to hear his voice and begin to walk through your day as Paul said, with purpose in every step. And as you learn to journal your thoughts, you'll be able to look back over a month or two or six or 12 months, and you'll begin to chart what the Lord has been showing you and what he's been growing in you, what he's been addressing, what he's been revealing to you throughout the course of the year. Hebrews 4, we know it well, but I want to read it from the New Century Version, says this, God's word is alive, and working, and is sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts all the way into us where the soul and spirit are joined, and it judges the thoughts and feelings in our hearts. When you give the Holy Spirit a chance to get his word into you, you know what he does? He begins to separate your soul from your spirit. Why? Because your soul and spirit are not supposed to be together. They're not supposed to be entangled. Now, a soul is a good thing. God has given it to us. Your your pets have souls, okay? They have a mind, they have a will, they have emotions. That's that's where your soul is. Your soul is connected to your physical being, it's connected to your emotions and to your physical surroundings. That's not a bad thing. It has its place, but it is not meant to rule your life. It's not meant to make your decisions. That's your soul. Your spirit is the only part of you that relates to God and relates to what has happened in the spirit realm around you. Your spirit is the part of you that distinguishes the voice of God, of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit of truth from every other voice around you that's trying to distract you and tempt you and tie you up. Hear me, friends. Voices around you that are trying to get you to squander the resources God has given you. Trying to get you to to deny or miss out on the true gifts that God has given to you. That are trying to rob you of all the God experiences that are waiting for you. That's what your soul tries to do, your feelings. That's what the enemy does in manipulating your mind, your will, and your emotions. But your spirit is the part of you that can hear God's voice to make sure that you don't miss out on what your gifts are, that you don't miss out on the God experiences that are waiting for you in 2019. You see, God's Word will expose every thought and feeling that's rooted in pride and fear and lies and unbelief. All those things just get themselves wrapped around your spirit. And God's Word will enter into your spirit, will cut away all of that stuff, and allow your spirit to come alive to God so you can actually begin to live differently. And so if you've never read your Bible or you've gotten used to neglecting your Bible day after day, you don't need a resolution. You just need to make a decision to start a new habit of reading God's Word for the sheer enjoyment of just getting alone and talking with Jesus. Number one. And number two, a second spiritual goal I would encourage for us this year is to ask God for a word that will help you to grow. God has a word for you in 2019. And the thought just crossed my mind this week in study. The Lord just dropped it in my heart. Friends, that concept should not be foreign to us. Receiving a word from the Lord. Time and again we read in the Old Testament, prophets say, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, These are Old Testament prophets. These are people upon whom the Spirit moved. We are people in whom the Spirit lives. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of prophecy. Ought not we expect to hear the word of the Lord on a regular basis? Ought not the word of God come to us? You say, oh, we have the Bible. We can read the Bible. Yes, you can. But it's still his word. He can still speak to you out of the scriptures. He can still speak to you by the prompting of the Holy Spirit who is in you and give you a word on a regular basis. And Jesus has a word for you for this year. Jesus has a word for you for whatever situation you find yourself in right now. He has a word for your relationship, for your children, for your marriage. Whatever it may be, he has a word for you like Paul said, so that you're not running aimlessly, you're not beating the air. He has a word that shows you where he wants to bring freedom. He has a word that shows you how he wants to bring freedom. He has a word that will show you how he wants you to grow and also what he wants to give yourself to and not give yourself to this year. And that word can come to you as a thought. You can just be driving down the street and bang, the Holy Spirit just drops a thought in your heart. This is what I have for you this year. That word can come to you as a a verse of scripture, as a theme. That the Lord would just have you to memorize. He would just give you one word, one scripture and say, memorize this, meditate upon this, reflect on this until it's reflected in you. This is what I want to do in your life. God's word to you may be a subject he wants you to study and be proficient in, in his word. It may be an aspect of Holy Spirit ministry that he wants you to be gifted in this year. Have you ever thought of that? That there's a gift of the spirit that the Lord wants you to operate in this year. And if you already operating in one, he wants to stretch you and grow you into another one. That he wants to flow through you. It's not just for somebody else. Have you ever thought that the Lord has a person, a face he'll bring to mind, a name he'll drop your heart and say, I want you to invest in this person this year. Might be your co-worker or neighbor. Might be somebody in your family. My question to you is this. How do you decide what you should be doing this year with the life that God has given you? How do you decide? We all know the words of Paul in Corinthians that says, you don't belong to yourself anymore. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside you. God paid for you with tears of blood. So use your life to bring him glory. That sounds pretty arrogant. (laughs) You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to God. Do we realize that? I love the story where Joshua, he encounters the angel of the Lord's army. He's about to go to battle, and he says to the angel of the Lord, are you with us or are you with them? (laughs) And I love the angel's response, neither. I'm with the Lord. The question is not whether or not I'm your side. The question is whether or not you're on my side, whether or not you're doing what God wants you to do. And friends, we go through a year. Not not spiritually. We go through it superstitiously. We go through the year and we say, this is what I'm giving myself to. This is what I'm chasing after. Oh, I see this on TV. Oh, that's what I want. And we make all the decisions based on novelty rather than the newness of what the Lord has done. And then we get in a situation where we messed up or we're not satisfied and we come to the Lord. Oh, Lord, why isn't this working? Oh, Lord, make this happen. And the Lord says, no. No, 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 no. You see, you just wasted eight months of the year. Yeah, I wasn't in this. So I hope you enjoyed it. I'm not going to get you out of it. <laughs> no, the question is not, am I going to come and help you? The question is, when are you going to get on board of what I'm doing? When are you going to care about the new thing I have for you? When are you going to start thinking about eternity and not just this present life? When are you going to start giving a rip that I bought you with my blood? You don't belong to yourself anymore. You're mine. You're either you mine or you're not. And if you're mine, here's where I'm going. And you see, if you will give yourself to what God is doing, you'll always succeed. It won't always be easy, but you'll always succeed. I feel like my shoelace is untied. Kristen, you want to come sing a song? Okay, I've got to finish up. Let me close with a scripture. Here's a good strategy. It's taken from the Message Bible. Jesus said in Matthew 6 31, we know the scripture well. Seek first the kingdom of God his righteous and all these things to be added besides. Here's how the message translation says it. Don't be so preoccupied with getting. Why? So you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. So steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions, and don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met if you'll just make your walk with God first. That's what Paul talked about when he talked about the importance of a spiritual strategy of growth. But he finished with this comment in verse 17, uh, 27 that we read earlier. Paul said this, "Otherwise, if I don't give myself to these disciplines, otherwise I fear that after having preached to others, I myself might be disqualified." You know, I meet Christians all the time that are very sincere in their faith, but they have little faith in their own spirituality. They have very little faith in their own security in Christ. Very little faith even in their own salvation. And I want to make sure this year that I'm not just growing another year older. I want to make sure this year that I'm growing in my knowledge of God. And I'm growing in my knowledge of how he works. In 2019, I want to be steeped in God reality. God initiatives. God provision. I don't want a faith that I can just easily explain. I don't want a faith where I can just do things in the power of my own creativity or in the power of my own experience or history. I want there to be an edge to my walk with Christ where I have to rely on Him. I've got to seek Him to understand more. I've got to to have faith in Him to step out for Him to do what only He can do. That's what He calls all of us to that's all part of our growing and stretching in the Lord. That's part of the joy of following the Lord. I don't want to be like a sponge that just soaks up everything for myself. I don't want to be a consumer Christian. Every time I get a paycheck, I just look at, oh, here's what I can buy. Here's how much money I got freed up at the end of the month. Like we saw in the video earlier for the financial piece. I want to come to that place where I say, Lord, I want to be generous. I want to be a conduit that you can flow through. But to do that, you've got to say no to a lot of stuff. You can't have it all. You've got to decide which kingdom you're living in, who's, which God you're living for, God or mammon. You've got to make the choice. You can't have both. It's part of our spiritual growth. i ask musicians to join me as they do. I just want to read this quote, these words from a young lady. I, I was speaking a couple weeks ago on this topic, and Tanya uh, forwarded me a, a post on Facebook that some stuff somebody had said that went along with what I was sharing. But these last uh, couple lines, I just want to speak these over you. They're simple but profound. The words are these. Looking at 2019. If you want a fresh start, then start each day with Jesus. If you want to refocus, then refocus all your attention on Him. If you need a new beginning, Begin with Him. That's where it all happens. That's where it all starts. That's where it all finishes. And that's where everything in between gets connected. And there comes fruitfulness and fulfillment. We're going to share in the Lord's table and ask the gentlemen to come at this time, those who are sharing, as we bring the emblems. Could you just bow your head for a moment? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that your word would penetrate our heart. It would not just be man's wisdom or enticing words. I pray, Lord, that your spirit, by your Holy Spirit, your word would penetrate our heart, that even this time next week we're not the same person. I pray for an encounter with you, with your word, with your Holy Spirit that would cause us to live differently, Lord, would cause us to believe differently, would cause us, O oh Lord, to hunger and thirst, after what you are doing. Oh, Lord, I pray, help us to see the vanity of those things that are not of you. Help us, oh, Lord, I pray, to renounce those things and to lay hold of you and for every new thing. I pray as we gather around your table, Lord, reveal, expose, and strip away everything of our lives that is just novel, that is just veneer, is just surface. I pray, oh, Lord, let our energies, our life, our very essence, our resources be about the deeper things, O Lord. Forgive us, O Father, for the breadth of lives that we've settled for that have no depth. Call us, O Lord. Help us to respond to your call. Be deep. To have depth, O God. To have roots. To have lives that really matter. Let's just remain bowed for a moment. If you're here this morning before you approach the Lord's table, and you've never open your heart to Jesus Christ. It's not about joining the church, but I just simply want to give you the opportunity. We just want to pray with you, help you to know what it means to know Jesus. But if you felt the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart this morning and say, I want this new life that you're talking about in Jesus, would you just slip your hand up quickly, just catch my eye and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm here this morning and I don't know Jesus. Lord bless you. I just want to surrender my heart to the Lord this morning. I want the new thing, this new life. That is mine in Jesus. Is there anyone else before we move along in the service? As believers, and don't just do this to encourage me, but if you agree with me and would say this Sunday, January 13, 2019, Lord, forgive me for pursuing the novel. I want the new. How many would say, I want the new thing that God has for me? Yes, that God is doing for me. Amen. Lord, I want to be on your side. I want to care about the things you care about. I don't want to just even go through this year, let alone my whole life, but through this year going after things and to hear you say, I'm not on your side. But if you want to be on my side, let's go. There's a whole adventure waiting for you. That's our heart's desire. I'm going to ask the elders to come. We're going to share in the Lord's table. If you're visiting with us this morning, you know the Lord, we invite you to join in. Just follow the person to your right. We're going to come down in a moment. Receive the emblems. Just hold the juice and cup it, or, and bread in your hand. Go back to your seat, and then we will share it together. Jesus Let's stand together. Said, said, all. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning. As we come to receive the emblems, may our hearts be laid bare before you. May we be willing, O Lord, to recognize the great price that you have paid to redeem our lives. May we come with a heart of surrender of our hearts, of our habits, whatever it may be, Lord. And we just pray that by your Holy Spirit, help us to examine our hearts today. In Jesus' name, Lord bless you to come.